0: Everybody, welcome to Dropping the Gloves with Tim Wurzberger and co host. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate it. We are the official, official or official podcast of hockeyfights.com, the premier website for men fighting with skates on. Hockeyfights.com. Men getting punched in the face while wearing skates. How are you doing, Tim?
1: I think that's a, that's a new T-shirt idea there. I
0: you think get, it is punching with it. skates. I like it. Well, how how are you, Tim? You got the cast on today. Everyone is like on pins and needles. How you're doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Good news today. Um, it was kind of a whole ordeal. I went in and they took off like most of the outer layer of the soft bandage I had on in this in this uh, what do you call it splint, and then um, took an X-ray. Everything looked good. One of them is the one that they patched up with the screws and everything is all aligned and doing what it's supposed to do. The other one is still very broken. Um, And then they took all the rest of the bandages off, and I got a good look at it. It's pretty gnarly. It's all just, like, swollen and miscolored, and um, the incision's probably close to a foot long. It's, like, the real deal. And then uh, they took all the sutures out, which was kind of painful, and then they um, cleaned everything up and then they put the hard cast on. So I got that for three weeks, and then three weeks' time, they'll take it off and just kind of see how I'm doing. Hopefully maybe to shift to like a walking boot at that point, and I'll be able to put some pressure on it, but who knows. But everything so far is on track and looking good, he said, and just kind of keep resting and elevating and play the waiting game.
0: Sounds terrific. Very exciting stuff. Well, you should be in a good mood, Tim. I am. Your I'm Boston pretty- Bruins just – absolutely dominated the Washington Capitals. After losing the first game, they come back and easily – I don't mean this lightly – easily beat the Washington Capitals four straight. I would say they had a few maybe hairy moments. We had a couple overtime games, but – this isn't the same Washington Capitals team that won the Stanley Cup in 2018. They are very uninterested to be there. It, it was a strange series because I had such high hopes, and Boston just outplayed them. It, it wasn't even close. Did, did what do you? I don't know. What do you think? You must be happy.
1: I am, yeah. I mean, games four and five felt like that. Two and three were were kind of ugly games. Like you said, they were both overtime. They weren't pretty wins for the most part. But I think the the top line on the, on the Bruins outperformed the top line for the Capitals. And I know the star the, the Capitals had a lot of injuries. They had um, Ovi was dealing with something. Carlson was dealing with something. Oshie miss, was missing the morning skate. Backstrom not himself. Um, so I think it showed a little bit, especially as the series went on, where they came out hot. They won game one, just barely, and just barely lost two and three. Those games really could have gone either way, Um, but the Bruins were able to capitalize, and they were just relentless. Like, they just didn't take a shift off. Their fourth-line guys were doing what they needed to do, Um, and they had a better goaltending by far. I think that was a huge part of this series was Tuca's play compared to the carousel they had going on the other end of the ice.
0: Yeah, Tuca, he finished up with a 940 save percentage, and he was was outstanding. You know, he gets a shutout to finish the series, and he – the thing is, I don't think he was a difference maker. I don't think he won the many games. He was just a really solid goaltender. He made the saves he needed to make. He made a couple really outstanding saves, but he wasn't stand on your head stealing games type of goaltending. I just think the Boston Bruins were top to bottom, the better team in every facet of the game. It was really, I guess this is the Washington team we know though. Since the Stanley Cup, they have been a shell of that team. They've lost three straight playoff series in the first round now. They are not even interested in being there. Nicholas Backstrom, I don't know what injury he has. He was invisible the whole five-game series. You know, he he finished five games with one assist, minus two, no real highlights to think of, no real lowlights. He just was invisible. And if you're going into the playoff series and you're Washington, he needs to be – one of your, if not your best player. You can't come out of the first or second or third game and be like, oh gosh, our best player is Tom Wilson. Our best player is Nick Dowd. Like you can't have that. Our best player is Hathaway. You need to have Ovechkin and Backstrom and Kuznetsov and Oshie. Those are your core. And after this series, it was glaring to me. It's like, the Bruins superstars are far better than Washington superstars. And it wasn't even close. Like Patrice Bergeron, he, he, the, the guy doesn't age. He just continues to get better. That last game that he played to, to cap the series, he was unbelievable. He was all over the ice. He finishes with two goals, a plus one, nine shots on attempts on net, throwing his body around. He gets a couple takeaways. He's a beast in the face off circle. He was out for a little over 17 minutes, and he was honestly dominant those whole 17 minutes. It wasn't even close. He just, whatever line he went out against, whether it was the Ovechkin line or the Oshie line or whoever it was, he, they were untouchable. That line is a scary line. I don't know who in the NHL can match up with that line. They are scary. When him, Marshawn, and Pasternak are out there, they control everything. And it's not like they're rolling around with, like, really offensive defensemen who can feed them the puck and are jumping in the rush like we see these days. They are so good. Name a defensive pairing or a f- three forwards who can slow those guys down. There's nobody in their division who can do it. They're really, really, really good hockey players, Tim.
1: Yeah, the one the line, line that comes to mind is Tampa's line with Gordon Coleman. Like, you know, those guys, I mean, I don't know. They're nowhere near as talented, obviously. But those are, they're a pretty good shutdown line, and they can score a little bit too. But, yeah, I, and then the biggest difference between the Bruins now and the Bruins a couple months ago is like, yeah, the top lines doing what they always do, but that second line is just huge. Craig she was good in the series Taylor Hall had a couple of goals, including that game tying goal I think in game two and um, he's confident Craig Smith's confident like being a two line team right now is just absolutely huge for the Bruins. They hadn't really had that much at all the last couple of years, and Taylor Hall has just been a force and it's just it just changes the entire dynamic for this game so, Super excited. They got a few days off, and they're waiting to kind of see the winner of the Islanders-Penguins series, which right now uh, the Penguins are winning game five, tied, tied at 2-2 two to two right now.
0: In the well, let's look at what they did because it was interesting. Bruce Cassidy, at the end of the game, he just he pretty much laid it out there. He's like, let's face it, our top guys came through tonight, and our soldiers were very good. So reading through that quote, he's – basically saying our top guys are better than their their top guys and our depth guys were better than their depth guys, which was obvious. And if you're Peter Laviolette and you're the Washington Capitals, you have to just scratch your head. It's like, okay, why are they so much better? The Bruins are so much better because at the deadline – They added Taylor Hall. They added Curtis Lazar. They added Mike Riley or O'Reilly, pardon me. They added three pieces that complemented their team perfectly. They needed secondary scoring, check, Taylor Hall. They needed some depth, check, Curtis Lazar. He's done well. They needed some help on the back end, Riley, check. Three just perfectly placed pieces that just fit their team perfectly. Washington Capitals, what do they do? They go out and they acquire Anthony Mantha okay, I don't understand that move. Who who, who are we going to give up for Anthony Mantha? R- Richard Panic and Ye- Jacob Vrana. Arguably, Jacob Vrana is way better than Anthony Mantha right now, as it stance today. And we give up a first-round pick. So we get worse and we give up a draft pick. I don't understand the reasoning or the rationale behind that trade. Maybe you know they had high hopes Anthony Mantha were going to play the Bruins. They're a big, heavy team. They're going to come with the body. We already have Tom Wilson, but we're going to double down on our physical play. It it completely didn't work. Anthony Mantha, if anything, made them worse by taking stupid penalties that cost them goals that really, really hindered this team. He did nothing in this five-game series. He was completely invisible, if not for, like I said, the negative aspect that he brings to the game with the bad penalties. Does Jacob Vrana make a difference? Does he change the tie to this series? Does he maybe score an overtime winner in game two or three or add a little more offense because Washington seemed to struggle on the offensive side throughout this series? I think so. Does he make it so the Bruins lose and Washington wins? I don't think it's that much of a change, but gosh – what a colossal failure this trade is, and now they don't have a first-round draft pick coming to this this uh, next draft. And guess what? It's going to be a pretty high draft pick because they're already out of the playoffs. So it's a win-win-win for the Detroit Red Wings right now. You get Jacob Rana, who's still under contract and who's a really valuable player. You get a first-round draft pick, and you get rid of Anthony Mantha, who wasn't you know lighting the world on fire when he was with Detroit. I scratched my head when they made this trade, and now I'm pulling my hair out because I don't understand how Steve Eisman can fleece the Washington Capitals this bad. And then you turn around and look at the Hall that they had to give up for Taylor Hall, and it's just like, makes this trade even worse. It's like, wait a minute, you don't even have to give up a first-rounder and you get Taylor Hall? This is insane. It just makes the GM for Washington look even worse than, than he already did. It just, it's a bad look all over. And then, to cap it off, Zidane Ochara, Coming in for a little retribution. Everybody thought the Bruins defense was going to be terrible this year. And they just work Z. You know, it was, it must have been satisfying for Don Sweeney, honestly. Because everybody, myself included, was all over him. You know, I was calling for his head. Terrible GM. Didn't do anything. He's got to sell everything. Why didn't you sign Tori Krug? Why didn't you go after Peter Angelo? All these moves that he should have made. And all of a sudden the Bruins are looking pretty sweet right now. They're, they're positioned nice. They have a couple days off. They're looking real sweet if they play Pittsburgh or the Islanders, and they're going to come out of this division smelling rosy, and they're all of a sudden Stanley Cup contenders now where they're in the Final Four. I don't know. We, Don Sweeney must know something that we don't because this guy, he really he, he pulled a fast one on a lot of people this year because the Bruins, man, were people just writing them off, myself included.
1: Yeah, how about this? Yesterday, the Bruins advanced to the second round while Chara and Tori Krug both got eliminated. So it's kind of like poetic justice right there. And maybe It is. Sweeney does know something there.
0: It really is. All the Boston faithful were up in arms. Tori Zedana, oh, we love you guys. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, done, Sweeney. We knew it all along. We were, kid- we're just teasing, Danny. We teasing.
1: So the, the other big thing with the capitals before we move on is Alex Ovechkin is now no longer under contract. He's an unrestricted free agent. I think he signed a 13 year deal or something that's over
0: 13 years, 124 million, I believe.
1: Yeah. So pretty nice chunk of change. No one knows where he's going to go. I mean, I honestly, I would not be shocked and blown away if he signed somewhere other than Washington. No, I, think-
0: I know. I know where he's going. I talked to him yesterday.
1: Okay. What, what, he, what did he
0: he's said? going to Edmonton. Oh Yeah. He's going to go to Edmonton. He's, he's very excited about it. He wants to move to Canada. He is um, really, just really excited, ready to go. So, yeah, he, he, he can't that. sign yet, but, you know, stay tuned. I, stay tuned.
1: I would love that. That would be so cool. But no,
0: I, who knows? Dude, what are the odds he leaves Washington? Because that's all they've ever said in the media is like, don't worry, Washington is Ovechkin. Alex is going to come back. We're not worried about it. The owner, Leonidas, says that. The coach is saying that. But Ovechkin's very coy. He's like, I don't want to talk about this. This happened with Char last year. He's like, he's a Bruin for life. Don't worry, we'll get it done. And then all of a sudden, you know, once you put that wedge in there, it's slowly the gap gets further apart. And if you let him test July 1st free agency, look out because there's going to be teams coming and knocking and they're going to look pretty appetizing. If you throw like if Toronto comes knocking, just say they don't win the cup. It's like, Hey, what do you want to play in Toronto? Well, you can come and play with the best players in the world for a couple of years. You know, you've already made a gazillion dollars. You don't need any more. Come and play in Toronto with these studs. How how fun is that going to be? So I don't know. Maybe Washington doesn't look so sweet anymore. Your core is Oshie, Backstrom, Kuznetsov. Like You're getting a pretty old there in Washington. All of a sudden, if you're Alex Ovechkin, maybe not such a good time to go back to Washington. I'm very interested. What, where do you put the uh, percentage that he's going to come back? Just say 70% over under, do you think he's going to come back or not?
1: To Washington?
0: Yeah. Under. Under. So you think he's not going to come back?
1: Uh, I think I think it's 50-50 he goes back. I'll say 40% to another team in the NHL, 10% KHL.
0: He's not going to stop with this KHL stuff. You're, you're insane.
1: He's, he's teased that for years. How about
0: your whole thing? Oh, uh, Kovalchuk is so good. He just – if he's so good, he wins the KHL title, gets released from his team, he can sign – Anywhere in the whole NHL, no one even gives him a sniff.
1: I'm talking about Kovalchuk's career, not 37-year-old Kovalchuk. I'm just saying,
0: if he's so good, he was the MVP of the KHL, he won the Stanley Cup of the KHL, you would think someone would want him. But like, nah, you're not that good. You'd maybe be a fourth-liner, okay. Kovalchuk, beat yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, very exciting. That, that'll be the story of the offseason, Alex Ovechkin, where he signs. It'll be very exciting. All right. Another just massive surprise. So we haven't really touched on this series much because Tim broke his leg. He's been gone. Every time we do an episode, they haven't played yet. The Oilers and the Jets. This is the shock of the playoffs so far. I, I, would, I would say not to me necessarily. I, I thought Edmonton would win, but I also loved Winnipeg to start the season. So I'm hedging my bets now. I, I said Winnipeg would challenge Toronto. I've always said that. Winnipeg is at full speed right now. They got Nicholas Sealers back last game. He completes their offense. He is so incredibly good. The first two games were really, really close games. They really were. I, I think it could have gone either way. Obviously, I think Winnipeg was the better team because of Connor Hellebuck. They win that first game one nothing. They shut down the two top guys. We already talked about that. They get the second game. They get a couple empty netters to make it three or four one, I believe. And then last game other than Toronto and Boston the 4 to 1 epic meltdown that we talked about with James Van Riemsdyk last episode is there another meltdown as bad ever in the playoffs they were winning 4 to 1 much like Boston Toronto situation 8 minutes to go just a complete meltdown what what was your thoughts when you were watching this because i honestly checked out when it was 4 to 1 i'm like good they're going to make a series of it, the Oilers. And then I checked the score in the morning because it was late. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is insane.
1: Dude, I, I, I did the same thing except I, I saw the 4-1. to one. There was about I – don't, I don't want to make up a number. Say like 11 minutes left or something. And I was like, all right, this game's over. I'm going to go take a shower. I came out of the shower. It was overtime. I watched for about a minute. And then Eielers scores off the faceoff, and that was it. I could not believe it. My jaw was on the floor.
0: It, it was unbelievable. One thing that really stood out to me is after the game, they were doing their interviews, and the Oilers players were just distraught. Obviously, they had blown the series. You basically blow your whole season by losing that game. And that eight minute stretch, it just you're not going to come back from 3 0. It's just, it's not going to happen against Connor Hellebuck and this Winnipeg team. Ethan Bear said, Someone asked him, What do you think about game four? And he said, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We're in the worst possible position we could be in. Might as well go leave it out there. The thing that really stuck out to me was that word afraid. So he says, we don't have to be afraid anymore. It's like, what were you afraid of to begin with? And it just got me thinking, it's like, are these guys under so much pressure that they just can't play the game the way they want to play it. Because in the regular season, they dominated the Winnipeg Jets. They were free-flowing. They were taking it to them. They were tic-tac-toeing and up and down the ice, and Connor McDavid was just in his usual track meet. All of a sudden, we get in the playoffs, and the first two games, it wasn't the same team that we used to watch with the the Edmonton Oilers. And maybe they they can't handle the pressure. Maybe they don't have any veteran leadership in that locker room to calm them down to say, listen – don't worry about it. I got this. Like a Jason Spezza, like a Joe Thorne, like a Wayne Simmons, those guys that Toronto has now who can just calm everybody down. Other than Mike Smith on the Edmonton Oilers, who is a veteran presence that you can think of that the guys can just lean on and say, okay, like they don't have anybody that I can think of. They're all young. They've all been together. They've all been in these battles and lost. They're Cassian. so used to failing. Cassian? Is he no. Like He's been there. He's failed with them. There's no one who who goes in there who's like instilling confidence, who you can look to and be like, you know, show us a little bit of something. I don't know. Maybe they're missing that veteran presence who can kind of come in and calm these guys down because you, they're not the same team. And you could see when they were on their game for the first two periods, they were excited. They were going. They were like, here we go. We're back. We're back. Then they face one little blip of adversity, and it's just like, oh, gosh. Oh boy. And their buttholes tightens up and they're like, we're done. And it's three goals in three minutes. And the next thing we know we're in overtime and Ehlers scores. It's, it's amazing how the momentum can change so quickly. And if I'm the Edmonton coach, I know Archibald got suspended for this. I bench him for the rest of the series. I bench him. I don't care. If I'm Dave Tippett, that, I would be so upset at this kid. He costs that team the game because that stupid move at the blue line. There's no reason to go low on Stanley right there. You, you take out his legs. Winnipeg gets the power play. They score. We know what happens after that. It, it changes the whole momentum of the game with eight minutes left. There's no reason to do what you did. You don't settle scores in the playoffs. You don't do it. You just suck it up and you be a man, you win the game, and you move on. It's the playoffs. This isn't the regular season. It's not the time to exact retribution, especially when there's still time on the clock and you give the team the man advantage, and look what happened. Now suspend it because it's a silly play, and he's a good player. He's been really effective this, this series, but I would, I would gas him. I'm like, you're done. Sorry, kid. Well, he's probably not going to get by tonight anyways. I have a feeling they're going to get swept, but – Boy, oh, boy, that was annoying. Oh, I don't know. What do you think about this series? I know I'm kind of rambling on.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of our, our, our friends at Hockey Fights are all from Edmonton. They're uh, Oilers fans. I'm following their tweets and kind of following the reaction of the city, and, and they're p- pretty distraught, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the the expectations have to be high when you have guys of their caliber on on that roster. And, yeah, like I know they're a very, very, very top-heavy team, but McDavid and Dreisaitl, like – after kind of they were shut out the first two games and they had a you know a whole bunch of points in uh in game three and you could just see the look on Mick on David's face when he was on the bench uh for the overtime goal and he's just frustrated and, and and a lot of people are kind of saying now like he's not gonna stand for this, he's gonna request a trade, he's gonna force the GM's hand this summer. And I, I don't know that he will. I, I could see him putting some pressure on him to bring some more talent in. But
0: he's not going anywhere.
1: So, yeah, but what? how long does he just, just deal with that? I mean, he's the best player in the world, and it's being absolutely wasted. It's like Mike Trout in baseball. He should be a household name. He should be in the, making playoff runs every year. I don't know if he's, he's made the playoffs like maybe once or twice. I don't think he's not seen the second round. It's just a travesty, really. It's,
0: he's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He can – he's not going to cause a stink and he's not that type of personality. He's going to eat it and he's going to hate it, but that's what he's going to do. You honestly think he's going to come out in the media and say, get me someone to play with. He plays with the second best player in the world. Yeah. And then what? That's the thing. They don't have anything else after that. He's not going to say anything. They had a good season. They're having a dumpy playoffs. I don't know. It's a head scratcher. You need a goaltender. Mike Smith has been out. Okay. He actually played. I'm not going to blame it on Mike Smith. He's played really well. Yeah. So they just they they collapsed. They 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 blew it. They should have won this game. They didn't show up in game one. Game two was an okay game. They they really just haven't played their best hockey. Last game three they played well, but they just blew it the last eight minutes. That's all you can say. And by the way, that overtime goal. It was a great shot by Ehlers. Go back and watch Dubois. He masterfully angles the Edmonton or winger who was going out to that man on his way to the point. He angles them perfectly, gives a lane. The D-man on Edmonton screens Mike Smith. It's just a great play by Dubois. It's an, he's not going to get any kind of accolades for it. He's not going to get on the score sheet. It's a really smart play by him it really is and i know it's simple and you look at it and it's like oh you know what everybody not everybody does that not everybody does that guys want to get to the net they want to get a rebound they want to sniff they want to do other things it's a really good play and it's so simple but it's a I don't know i saw the goal and i and i was like what a great play by dubois i don't know that was just me and obviously they win the draw it it was a it was a perfectly it was a perfectly done play it really really was but is there any chance Edmonton comes back, Tim.
1: No, no.
0: <clears throat> is there any chance they win a game?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see him winning a game. He backs against the wall. It's really hard to sweep a team. And I don't think the Jets are that much better than the Oilers, That the same way that, like, Colorado is over the, the Blues, right? They're not that much better that they have no chance. So, yeah, I, I, I think they could, and I hope they do, uh, especially, you know, the, the longer the series goes on, the better, just as a, as a neutral fan. But there's no chance they come back in the series, no way.
0: Well, I agree. I I think um, they're not going to come back. I think they'll lose tonight and Winnipeg sweeps them. I think they're so distraught. It's it's really tough. They just lost yesterday to have a back-to-back and to lose in such a heartbreaking fashion and have to come back and regroup. That's tough. That's tough, tough to do. So I don't know if they're going to be up for it. The really tragic part about this is Winnipeg has one of the best fan bases in the NHL, and there's no fans in the stands. That place would have been insane. It would have been absolutely incredible, and you could hear a pin drop. It really is sad because it's just such good hockey that the fans are missing out on right now. All right. You mentioned the Avs and the Blues. It it wasn't even close. I I thought the Blues would put up some kind of fight. It was an exhibition – the Colorado Avalanche just worked them. It, w- it was not even close. They 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 took them out in very lackluster fashion. St. Louis didn't even show up. Bennington was awful. The forwards there was no scoring punch for St. Louis. The Avs were just dominant from top to bottom. Like they really were put the boots to them. Even without Kadri who we'll touch on him in a second. What went wrong or what went right? Like. Did we overthink the St. Louis? They they were the hottest team in the NHL to close out the season. I thought maybe they would string something together and maybe put up a fight for the Colorado Avalanche. But no, it, it wasn't even close, Tim.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's really not much to say about this series. The Avalanche are just better in every single way, top to, top to bottom, every single line, every deep pairing. The goalie uh, Bennington, just a nut job. Like you see him uh, trying to fight Grubauer again. He's insane. Oh, he's crazy. And
0: I thought it was he's not even that big. I remember when he went after Devin Dubnik, Devin Dubnik said something like, buddy, you're like 180 pounds soaking wet. Like, what are you doing? I just want someone to just grab him and just punch him. Like, I don't know, much like I think Caudry deserves a punch. Like, what is Bennington doing? Does he think it's like a good thing to start challenging? I don't know. It's very strange. So this season's, or this season's over for St. Louis. It got me thinking. Do you remember at the trade deadline, everybody was clamoring for Mike Hoffman and Tyler Bozak and Jaden Schwartz, and what are they going to do? And St. Louis, they're they're the wild card. Are they going to go for it? Are they going to make a push? Well, they standed pretty pat. They didn't trade anybody. They didn't make any additions. How bad does that look right now? Honestly, is it worse in Washington for acquiring Mantha or is it worse for St. Louis not trading these assets because now they're going to walk. All their big guys are one year older. They're one year less appetizing or enticing for another GM to come out and grab and get some assets for them because St. Louis, much like a lot of other teams in the league, their window is done. It really is looking at their team. It's done. Tarasenko is not getting any younger. David Perron is – like, he had a great year, but still he's getting older. Jaden – not Jaden Schwartz. Uh, what's his name? Uh, what's his nuts? He's got a long contract. He's in a, all their guys are aging, and they're not doing too well. What, what do you do if you're St. Louis? Are you firing this GM? How upset are you? Are you at Armstrong? Like, I don't know. It's just – it stinks. You had an opportunity to kind of make a play, and you just blew it.
1: I think a big part of it is, and this has to factor into their plans, is what the division alignment looks like, and and how they move forward next year. And if they're in, if they're in a similar situation where they have no chance of getting out of their division, it's a different conversation as opposed to some of these these other teams coming in and maybe like some of the weaker teams from Canada coming back to their division. If if Calgary or Vancouver some of those teams come in, it changes the conversation a little bit, right?
0: Yeah, they were with um, the Central. So they would be with the Chicago's, the Detroit's, the Minnesota's, those teams like that, Winnipeg. So, yeah, I I guess that changes it just a little bit. I think they can compete a little bit better in that division. We'll see. I don't know. I I think you just have to – kind of realize where you're at. Be realistic. That's why I really like, and I know I'm switching sports, the Toronto Raptors, their president, um, I'm going to butcher his name, but it's like you majority or whatever. He's so realistic and he's like, listen, why would I go out at the deadline and add somebody? We're, we're not going to win the championship and like, what's it all about? We're here to win the championship. So he, he was honest. He's like, I'm not going to add anybody because we're not going to win. Like it was so refreshing to hear someone say that. Like none of the GMs in the NHL have ever said that. It's like, listen, we're a bad team. We're not going to win the Cup. Why am I adding somebody? That nah, It was refreshing. So I think St. Louis needs to take a cue from him and just embrace where you're at, you know? Trade, and no one will ever do this. They always want to save their job because that's what you're, they're in it for. They're not in it to win Stanley Cups. They're in it to save their job and collect the paycheck. They're not going to trade the top guys and get assets. They're just going to try to add a couple pieces here and there and make it look like they're really, really good, but you're not. You're not as good as Vegas. You're not as good as Colorado. You're not as good as a lot of other teams in the NHL. So, I don't know. Moving on to the team that swept them, Nazim Qadri. Tim's got five minutes left. Is that what that means, Tim?
1: Yeah. Getting toyed? It's hard. No, it's hard to sit upright with this leg.
0: Oh, my leg. All right. Well, what do you think? What do you think of the Qadri suspension? Eight games. Worthy? He sees appealing it. You think he's going to get more on the appeal? I would love to see that one of these days. I I thought it was a fair suspension. What do you think?
1: Has that ever happened? You get more on an appeal? No,
0: but you risk it because when I got suspended, everyone's like, are you going to appeal? And I was like, I don't know if I should because I might get more. And that's totally possible because it goes to a neutral arbiter. And if they look at the situation and they say, you know what? You should have gotten more. They will give you more. It's never happened. Usually they just kind of hold, hold Pat. Sometimes like in the Tom Wilson situation, he, he got a lesser sentence, but mostly they just stick with what the NHL said, but it, there's that risk. So he's, he's going to an arbiter. He's going to appeal it. I think he, it's a hundred percent upheld if not more. I, I don't know. Do you think eight games is fair?
1: Yeah. Cause you, you said even 10 to 12 when we talked about it last week, so yep. I mean, eight games is plenty fair. I mean, I, I don't know. What difference does a game make? What if it gets dropped down to six or seven? Is that really going to – I mean, the Colorado going to run through until, until the Stanley Cup most likely. So. They
0: play Vegas next round. There's no way they're going to run through Vegas. This this definitely makes a difference because right now he's looking at a seven-game suspension. Or is it a six now? I don't know when he got the – hit. So yeah, he's looking at six or seven games right now. So it's a big suspension. It's basically the whole series.
1: Either way, there's no way it gets reduced to four or less. And that's what that's, – that's the Vegas series for – the Because it almost works against them that they swept the Blues, right? They could have had some dead games there.
0: If they could have extended it a few more games, that would have worked in his favor. But, yeah, just say Vegas, they split the first two. Next thing you know, he could be back for game five, but he's not back until game seven. It it could make a difference. He is a factor in that lineup. He's going to stick with eight games. He's lucky he only got eight. He should have been double digits. I think the Avs – are going to miss him versus Vegas because Vegas is going to get by Minnesota. Let's touch on Minnesota because Vegas is up 3-1. to one. They lost the first game. Minnesota's really getting a raw deal. Marc-Andre Fleury is absolutely stealing the series. Like, he's incredible. The guy doesn't age. He's so incredibly good. The last game, they won 4-1. to one. Vegas got outshot 35-17. to 17. So Minnesota fired twice as many shots on net. And the score was four to one, or four to nothing. Mark Andre Fleury was so incredible; the guy is just unbelievable. Vegas has got to be just tickled pink to pick him in the expansion draft. Like it's unbelievable how well this has worked out for the Vegas Golden Knights. It's it's incredible. So they'll dispatch Minnesota tonight. I have well, if not tonight, tomorrow they'll win this series. Let's just go through the rest of the series, Sam. I want to get your um, thoughts. Pittsburgh Islanders are tied two to two right now. The third period is about to end. Do you think whoever wins game five is going to win the whole shebang?
1: No, I see this going the the whole seven games. Just the way, like, the way these games have gone back and forth. I remember, I think it was game, uh, either game three or game four, like, there were four goals in the, in the third period. The score, the score kept changing. The league kept changing. I think this is the team that – these teams are very evenly matched. It, it seemed like the Penguins are probably the better team, but the Islanders have an answer every single time. And they do – they tied it again tonight twice. So, um, I think it goes – I think it goes the distance. What about you?
0: This is this series and this team in particular the Pittsburgh Penguins the longer the series go goes excuse me the more likely I think Pittsburgh is going to win just because of Sidney Crosby like the guy is he's a winner I don't know what it is and this is the difference between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals Sidney Crosby is a winner he's got that attitude he doesn't he doesn't take losing he doesn't take it he just wants to win I think Ovechkin he's fine with losing and I know he he puts up a, he breaks his stick in this and that. And this is the difference between the two of them. I think Crosby's a winner and Ovechkin is not. And yeah, he won the Stanley Cup. I don't think he was the main cog in that Stanley Cup. John Carlson played a big factor. Nicholas Baxter played a huge factor. I just think this is the difference between those two teams. They're very similar. I think Pittsburgh just has Sidney Crosby. He's so incredibly good and i the longer this goes if this goes to 7 I, I i don't see the penguins losing just because of Sidney crosby but if the islanders win tonight they better win in the game 6 that's my that's my opinion
1: like that that moment in game 2 when bruins won on that bad turnover from uh i don't even remember who was in net at this point uh, anderson maybe uh, no it was a russian who was a russian kid? samsonov yeah yeah and uh, the bad turnover you know he's screaming at him on the bench in russian mm-hmm. like you think any other co- captain in the league does that
0: No, you're taking your rookie goalie aside and be like, you know what, man, don't worry, we'll get him next game. You're not belittling him on the bench as you're skating off the ice, embarrassing him just because you're upset that you lost. There's a good way to do that, and there's a bad way to do that. And he picked the latter. It's just – it's – you know, he's showing his emotions. That's great, but you got to be the leader. This is your team. You're the identity of this team. And if you're sitting there screaming at your goaltender, he's skating off the ice, I think he knows he messed up and you're just making it 10 times worse, and you know cameras are on you, this is the Washington Capitals. This is them in a nutshell. They don't have an identity, or maybe they do. It's complete chaos. So I think just the veil's been lifted with them. It's the, the organization is a train wreck. You got guys getting pictures with co- piles of cocaine next to them, and players are all over the place. Wilson is not having any kind of – anybody sitting them down and saying, let's calm down, like someone taking them aside. Like it, it's a free-for-all over there. It, it's Animal House as a hockey team. So, I don't know. You you reap what you sow. They got that one good year. They should be happy they won the Stanley Cup. They caught lightning in a bottle. Moving on. The Edmonton Oilers, Winnipeg Jets, they're playing right now. You said Edmonton's going to win this game, lose the next game. Okay. The Lightning and the Panthers, they're tied 1-1, middle of the second. Lightning going to win this game, dispatch them?
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Not a lot of really – I guess there's a couple interesting series. My month Toronto Maple Leafs so are going to win me 50 bucks. They're up two to one right now. Are you regretting taking that bet with me?
1: I'm a little regretting trusting you and betting with me when I'm on, a, I'm on a opioids. But Would you like right. to
0: double down then? Make it a hundred.
1: No, I'll stick with 50. I I still like my chances.
0: You like your chances still. Okay. Well, we will see how it goes. They're winning 2-1 to right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs are, and the game is almost over. I think there's five minutes left in the third period. All right, Tim. Well, you need to go to bed. You heal up. We're very excited to see you all mended up and back on the ice as quick as possible. We miss you out there. At any rate, thank you, everybody, for listening. Tim, do you want to say anything to our listeners?
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for uh,
0: the heartfelt how many texts did you get
1: a few a few dms on instagram and stuff
0: drop into tim's dms let him know you care give us a five-star review tim loves that stuff all right everybody but anyways we'll talk to you guys in a couple days i hope you're doing well cheers
1: thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john
0: scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode